Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida State is in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk. Carolina is on the Twitter handle tonight. Make sure you say hello to her, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Excuse me. Uh, welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everybody. And just like Mike Martin, we too are going to try to get 2,000 individual wins on this show tonight. Night. That's a lot well, of wins, yeah, that was a that was just an incredible thing to witness in person, wasn't yeah, it? It really was. Really, it really, uh, really was. It really, really was. Uh, so I'm sure most of you are aware. It is now officially the worst time of the year, also known as daylight savings time, and it actually really messed me up this year. I'm going to be <laughs> completely honest. Normally, I could prepare for it. I know it's coming, but this year, totally forgot about it. Woke up an hour earlier, and I haven't been uh, so tired ever since. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was up at. 2 slash 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday when it happened and and that let me tell you that was that was not fun realizing that I had an hour short oh because we had to be at the wait no, I'm sorry Sunday Sunday there was no game there was no game there but, was, but I had to be up early anyway for that that's a Sunday. lot of fun being up for that because it's like you time travel you go an hour ahead of time and it feels cool <laughs> uh, it's amazing what one hour of sleep can do to you uh, either way well ladies and gentlemen we have a great show for you tonight a lot to chop through lots of football uh, during the show that uh, we have to catch up on, it's kind of like that show where fo- football just kind of comes back into things almost out of nowhere. Does it ever really go away? No, not really. It's At least not for me. Season. It's always football season for me. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, basketball so school now, right? We're a basketball school. That's slash absolutely soccer, right. Slash baseball. Slash, slash soccer. Slash everything. That's slash everything, everything that's not football. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let's get into it, everybody. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. It's a good thing that we are live radio and not live TV because you look extremely tired. I am exhausted, Ooh. and thank you for that burn. I appreciate <laughs> that. Get the, get the hey, the, those were your words, not mine. You, no. <laughs> you said to me, or Gary... Um, I said very angry. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're right. I'm exhausted. And as I, as I mentioned with that anecdote about being up at 2 slash 3 a.m. on Sunday, it's... Uh, it's been a long past two days, that's for sure. And, and let me tell you, a law exam, too, will take it out of you. So. Oh, a law exam. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to take that. Oh. Uh, that just kind of hurts my brain kind of thinking about <laughs> Listen, it's my hand still hurts from writing all those, <laughs> all those damn laws. It's fine. It's fine. It's We're weird. Good. Just to, it's, it's weird that, you know, we grow up writing all the time, and then we get mm-hmm. to college. We spend so much time on our computers and our hands, like, physically forget how to write, and oh I, I can't write more than a page without Nick, my hand going, Nick, the, the, what the, the heck is going on? What are you doing? The last page of my exam looks like a doctor's note. That's, that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us tonight, the Ray Allen of the Big Three, also known as the inconsistent two-scene fastball. Gary Putnick. <laughs> yes. Uh, spring training. The Marlin is... Boy Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> spring training is underway. How are we feeling about the hashtag NGTWeTrust movement at this point? Feeling good. Started off slow. I think they went two and five to start off spring, but now they're at seven and ten. They play the Mets tomorrow, so that should be an easy win. Lewis Brinson's the hottest hitter in the Grapefruit League. Five home runs. He had two and was he had two in one game last week. Yeah, He's hot. That sounds about right. Are you telling me or asking me? Because I don't. No, I'm telling <laughs> okay, you. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> and making his Tomahawk Talk debut tonight, Gabe uh, Wisniewski. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Good to be here. 
All right, so Chris Camacho, Gary Putnick, Gabe Wisniewski. Uh, oh, I almost, I almost made it through that. Uh, just, a, just a side note before I, I asked, you know, Gabe uh, his last name um, because he's he's been one of the newer members. Uh, don't make fun of me for not knowing our members' names. Um, and uh, he, he said, he, he said, I asked him what his name was, and he said, let me spell it for you. And I knew I was screwed. Um, <laughs> it's those Polish last names. Yeah. Chris Camacho, Gary, uh, Gabe Wisniewski, and once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, it's a segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, rip the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, the MLB in the pursuit to a uh, gain a more mainstream and fast-paced type of baseball game have announced this past weekend that the Atlantic League will be experimenting with robot empires or umpires, uh, not robot like empires yes. like like Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Bats will be, re- re- will be replaced by lightsabers. <laughs> we'll see what, I'm sorry, I, in so many sidetracks early on in the show. What would Darth Vader's batting average be? Well, I think zero. Any, he any, couldn't hit the ball. He just sliced it. Oh, okay. Come on. So uh, okay. Think about it. Uh, <laughs> so the 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 Atlantic League will be experimenting with robot umpires or assistant umpires that will help umpires <laughs> call balls and strikes. This is one of the rumored experimental changes, as well as along with uh, reducing the time allowed between innings, eliminating mound visits apart from pitching changes and substitutions, and most drastically, moving back the pitching rubber a whole two feet in the uh, second half of the season. Obviously, there are a lot of changes being pitched. Uh, no pun intended. Uh-huh. No, pun intended. No, I Own swear. It, I swear. I swear. Pun not intended. We've got some baseball guys on the panel tonight, so I'm interested to see what you think of uh, not only the robotic umpires, but w- with all these changes in general. Chris? I hate the robot umpire. Listen, yes. hate is a strong yes. word. No, uh, yes, I understand. Are you, are you sure? Are you, you're just cranky. No, maybe. you know, maybe it is, but maybe it's just it's showing my true colors. I hate the idea of a robot umpire in baseball. Listen, I, you and I were talking about this over the weekend uh, at the baseball games. The, being an umpire is one of the most thankless jobs on this earth. It's a job that nobody wants to do, but you you wouldn't have the game of baseball without it. Like you, these guys need to be there, and and. It's 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 the human element of the game. The the point of the game is that there is there's the human error side. Like you, yelling at the, the vitriol that these guys get and the things that the animals of Section B were telling these umpires over the weekend <laughs> is a little disgusting. You but can't you can't write them in your logs. Anne. No, you you really cannot. Um, but at the same time, the game of baseball needs human error, and I think if you bring robots into it, it completely eliminates that and takes away the human element to the game. Gabe? I'm going to have to go the opposite direction here. I think, you know, the more we can focus on it being the players deciding games, I think that's the better uh, route for baseball. I think the less error you have coming from umpires, the more we focus on players actually winning the games and just think the consistency is a better thing. Nick, I think we just broke a record for shortest debut on the, on the show. <laughs> yeah. Gabe, you're, right, right, that, you're out of here. I'll see my way out. <laughs> that, that's, robotic, that's my call can, ro- can robotic umpires eject people? They can't. How would you go through the process? See, you can't, well, okay, I can't well, have I, a robotic umpire there's going, now. There's going to... It's not like there's going to be an actual robot behind no, home plate. No, no, I know there's not There's going to not gonna be anything. It's going to be... They use like a stat track kind of thing to use a grid to measure the strike zone. It's something else. So uh, it's nothing is there. So how can they eject people? What? It, no. Yeah, well, what are, your, so, what are your thoughts on the... Uh, I don't like the robot umpires. Don't like moving the mountain back. I don't like any of these rules. Really, I'm fine with them. I'm fine with them shortening up the time between innings. That's fine by me. But 
pitching the mound visits you need mound visits you can't have it without that you can't have baseball without it you, the pitcher well, needs to be I don't think it was too I don't think it was affected all that much six mound visits was the limit last season Well no I'm fine with that but the way that this rule I took a quick look at it and it says that uh like the there's no coach initiated mound visits I believe only to change the pitcher. It, it's it's a it's eliminating it completely. Oh, so like you can't go out to the guy, your pitcher, and talk to him and say, "Hey, like just calm down a bit. Let's figure this out and get to the next one." Right. Yeah. There's none more of that. I don't mind moving the mound back two feet. I think if I'm not mistaken, there was a record in strikeouts this past season, something like that. There have been significant amount of strikeouts uh, in the game of baseball this past season, 2018. Uh, and I think if you move the mound back, it gives hitters a better chance of seeing these guys you know and it, it creates more hits and if anything it, obviously we're not in the steroid era anymore so it, the the better chance that we can give the batters to create some action you know uh, you may not get the same Cy Young performances out of out of some of these pitchers but I think it'll create a little more excitement it's I'm actually point. I'm actually not going to blame the mound for the amount of strikeouts I'm going to blame what's been going on on the hitters and the hitters have been trying to hit too many home runs and they've been focusing too much on launch angle rather than making contact and trying to drive the ball in line drive fashion that's what's caused the majority of strikeouts it's the boomer bust swing you know when I when I was a kid uh, my mother you know would come home every once in a while and probably mostly from the grocery store and you you know with the advancement in technology she would always say uh, or not always but she would often comment something to the effect of man people are losing jobs and like robots are taking so much of people's jobs whether it's you know having a self-checkout aisle you know that you press and you you know scan everything yourself and uh, uh, whatever have you and you know digital digital like um, speedometers for you know gauging streets and everything uh, this is it's kind of the same way that I feel about this. It, it's really not necessary, and I think it's really kind of sad. Now, it, I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the MLB isn't completely eliminating umpires. That's not what the the rule is. Right. You said you is said going digitally for. assisted. Digitally digitally assisted. Um, but I, I really like what you said, Chris, about the human error side of things. I think human error in sports is what makes it just naturally fun to watch. Yes. Um, seeing the frustrating for some, fr frustrating yeah. for some, um, <laughs> especially for Saints fans. Um, but human error is really one of the things that make sports click. And whether that's the umpire missing a, a strike that that should have been a strike, or whether you know it's a nice play and uh, by the catcher, you know, moving their glove uh, on on a, on a maybe let's say a slider that's just on the outside edge. Mm -hmm. There is so much, I guess, competitiveness and and. Things that come with human error in sports, no matter whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, that having that run by any form of um, technology would, I think, completely tamper and ruin. Uh, so I'm really not a fan. Uh, most people, except for Gabe, but Gabe's not on the show anymore, uh, <laughs> uh, disagree with. Um, uh, the other rules, I, I really don't agree with either. I think mound visits, mis mound visits excuse me, are absolutely crucial to the game. Uh, moving the mound back, I'm really not either way on that. Definitely am for reducing the amount of time in between innings. But with Nick, that, I think you're said, down for removing for reducing the amount of innings. Period. Yeah, let's just play one inning and go home. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that all being said, that was the off the top segment sponsored by me, brought to you by me, answered by our panel. Well, it took what seemed like forever, uh, but Florida State has finally gotten their quarterback. Wisconsin 
quarterback Alex Hornibrook will be transferring into Florida State for his final year of eligibility. Uh, the Wisconsin quarterback uh, is, you know, he, he had a, I think he played, what, f- full four years at Wisconsin? or No, he had three years. He redshirted his freshman year. He redshirted his freshman year. Uh the Seminoles finally have some depth at the quarterback position. That's that's the main thing to take out of this. But Chris, are you hashtag horny for horny bro? Can we say that on air? Oh my god, um, Luke! Keep, you took away Gary's line. Luke, Luke, yeah. can we can we uh, keep Season can we assist. keep our hands on the phone for backlash, please? Um, how how do you feel about how do you how do you feel about horny uh, Listen, I, I think what I'm most excited about right now is the fact that Florida State has quarterback death yeah i was actually slotted mm-hmm. to play quarterback uh this next year oh, they, didn't, they didn't find anybody <laughs> wow but go on <laughs> um no i obviously it's a concern when you only have one quarterback slated especially with an offensive line uh, that's been as 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 turnstiley <laughs> as florida states has been um obviously that leads a lot of concern for guys like blackman um who go down but i think looking at the numbers for horny for hornybrook at wisconsin i think I think it'll be nice to have him here. My my concern is the fact that he's a pro-style quarterback, and he, we're going to try to fit him into a Kendall Bryles system, into a, a Willie Taggart Gulf Coast style. Um, it's going to be a matter of, of, of whether or not he can make those adjustments. He's not very mobile, and so and obviously this is a very run-heavy style offense. So it's just a matter of whether or not he can make that adjustment. Gabe? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with the part about the system. I don't see him being a fantastic fit here. But even overall as a quarterback, you look at last season, only played nine games, but 13 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, and that's far from ideal for any quarterback. So, I mean, I'm not overly thrilled with the acquisition, but obviously as a depth guy, even if he just ends up behind Blackman, that's that's solid to have somebody there that actually has experience. Gary, I'm, I'm very uh, aware of your feelings <laughs> on Hornibrook, but um, I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, how do you feel? I'm excited. I think it's exactly like what both of them said, that it's great for the depth, it's great for the competition that the QB position really needs right now because everyone coming into the first day of spring practice was asking Blackman, how's it feel to be QB1 right now? And when Hornibrook comes in later, obviously it won't be for the spring, so this f- spring uh, Blackman will be QB1, but in the summer it'll be a true QB competition and prob- Blackman will most likely come out on top, but if he starts to struggle... There's always someone to step in. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna be frankly honest. Uh, I'm not a fan of this at all. I, I don't like this move. Uh, it's nothing against Hornerbrook. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. Why is that? Plain and plain and simple. Uh, that's a little bit too far. (laughs) Why is that? I mean, when you think about the the time that he's played at Wisconsin, Wisconsin has already always kind of been in that middle um tier tier in the top twenty five. Always been ten in the twenty range. They've had fantastic defense. They've had fantastic offensive line. They've had an offensive line that has really made me blush and say, where can I get some of those guys on Florida State football teams? Middle America. <laughs> Middle America, and uh, of course you have uh, Jonathan Taylor, a fantastic running back up there in Wisconsin, and you take all of that away, you take all of that away, and now see what Hornibrook has at Florida State, and he has none of those things, and he was even still an average at best quarterback at Wisconsin, average at best. I don't think, I mean, in all the games that he probably could have won, and those were big games. I'm talking championship games against Ohio State. Uh, I think Mich- I think they played Ohio State twice and lost both times. They lost to Penn State. And then they lost to Penn State one of those other years. 
he has had the opportunity to really show that he has what it takes to be a quarterback at the next level or even really a solid quarterback at the collegiate level, and he has not done it. He has failed in every single attempt, and I don't see how that would change here at Florida State considering that uh, the running game wasn't that great this past year. The offensive line is probably uh, the worst in the country or was the worst in the country. I think this is going to be a, a gigantic flop if I'm completely honest with you. Uh, but the only silver lining, and that's something that you all already said, is that, hey, at least Florida State has somebody else to put on their depth chart that we get in the press box before the game because... We have another J.J. Cosentino. Well, well, okay, whoa. hold on. Don't man. say that. Hold on. Hold that's on. me. That's me. Hold on. That's me. Uh, I don't like don't do Hornerbrook, like that. but don't, don't, that's don't harsh. do my man like that. Um, <laughs> it, I, I just, I don't really see it working out. Uh, and and especially just and then the main thing for me and I and I'll spread around the the mic in a second is that it's just the offensive line you know Wisconsin has such a great defense and a great offensive line and he was just average as I've already said and now you're taking that away and uh, I I don't think he's going to be anything special Gary well, I mean any quarterback that you put behind a, a bad offensive line is going to be bad plain and simple unless it's I don't know who maybe Aaron Rodgers even then I don't even know but. <laughs> I still think he's got some potential, and I think the he doesn't have the biggest arm, which I think is a blessing in disguise, really, because he doesn't need to throw the ball that long in this kind of offense. He needs to be able to get short, quick passes out and just march the ball up the field quickly, and that's something you don't need to do with long passes and a big arm. David, do you agree with that? I agree that you know the arm strength isn't a huge deal in this system, and you know you look at the body type, you got a 6'4", 219 guy, so he's going to be durable, he's going to be tough, but... I mean, as a quarterback, I just I don't see him as anything especially talented. Like, there's just not a whole lot that jumps off to me when I watch him play. So, I don't know. Do you and, think Florida State's settling? Oh, I absolutely, absolutely. think they're settling. Absolutely. settling? absolutely. Who it, it, else would they be getting right Well, now? I mean, that's the thing is that I don't think that Florida <laughs> State went all out in recruiting some of the bigger-name quarterbacks that came up on the market in the transfer portal this year. Talk about the Justin Fields of the world. Talk about the Jalen Hurts of the world. Well, now, I'm trying, you, well I, you, I am trying to, in, in essence, try to fit a square into a circular hole when it comes of, hey, you also have to come and want to play for Florida State. Exactly, that's that's yeah. a part. That's <laughs> part of the picture. But You lose a recruit, too, like – Sam Howell and Sam Howell and then you know uh, um, uh, hey, uh, Bailey Hawkman leaving uh, at the beginning of last season too I just I I guess at the core root of everything I'm extremely disappointed anything to add Chris to that no I mean I, th I think you've summed it up just about like, like, I think you've summed it up the best way possible the best way possible well thank you that's why you're my co-host and also <laughs> uh, Gabe is back on the show for agreeing with me um, nice <laughs> And I'm off the show. First. And you're off the show permanently. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, it took, uh, speaking of taking a long time, it took Florida State a long time to get a number two quarterback or number one quarterback, of course. 24? We'll see. Gary, Siri, you are not um, allowed to be on the show either. Um, Sebastian, uh, in editing, please. That's become my favorite thing is to oh. reference Sebastian in the booth. I, I don't know. This is still a uh, Florida State uh, softball and baseball. Both undefeated to start the season. Florida State baseball actually had a very similar start to the the season last season. Won 14 straight this year. They they won 11 straight before eventually losing their first game. Florida State baseball won the first uh, lost the first game in a shutout, almost a no hitter. Um, but Florida State softball actually suffered two losses this past weekend. The dynasty is over, ladies. I'm just kidding. Absolutely Call not. It quits. Um, tank. <laughs> tank for tank for a prospect pick. Um, no. 
uh, softball. They believe they were in Arizona Correct. this past weekend. There's obviously some jet lag to go with that. Mm-hmm. And Chris, uh, I'm, I'm sure nothing has really changed about your perspective of this softball team, but um, it's good to get these losses out of the way, don't you think? I would agree. I think there's a lot of pressure for any undefeated team in any undefeated sport. You know, there's always that anticipation. When is that going to come? Both softball and baseball have had their scares. Um but like you said, it's good to just get this one out of the way. And and that's that's the thing with the sport like baseball and softball is just losses are going to happen. You're not no team, no baseball or softball team is going to have an undefeated season. So it's 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 this, this is just a casual loss. It happens it, with the loss against GCU, their first loss of the season. They lost what was it? It was 6 to they lost by three. one run if I'm not mistaken. Mm, was it I thought it was like 6-3 or Gary, get on that. Yep. Okay. Well, yep. th- either way, they lost the very next game. They run ruled GCU. It's it's a game to game sport. It's yes, exactly. Uh, Losses like are bound else. to happen. I'm not at all concerned. No, I, I I feel like I have the need to ask everybody, uh, especially people that you know don't appear on the panel very often. But Gabe, what are your general impressions about the softball team thus far this season? How how, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, about what they've been able to do thus far. I mean, the first word that comes to mind is dominant. And just even top 10 teams, you see them go out and just control a game from start to finish. Um, you know, you brought that loss to Arizona. It's the number 12 team in the country, and they still went on the road and took two of three. It, just the team as a whole, I mean, you look at Megan King, the way she dominates out there. Anybody is a threat to hit a homer at any point. It's just top to bottom, clearly the best team in the country. Now, I'm not trying to forecast anything, Gary, but, I mean, the one thing that – and I said this, I believe, last week as well. The one thing that you can knock against the Florida State softball team is that they haven't played enough at home. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when they get back home eventually, what do you see a, a, a nice streak developing? Do you think they're uh, or they're going to kind of maintain this pace that they've been uh, – that they've gotten over the past couple of weeks. I think they're going to be on a nice little streak when they come back. They oh, they come when they come back on March fifteenth. They play Notre Dame in a three game set, FAMU for one game, and then UNF, and then then they host NC State, yeah, for another three game set. So I think realistically they'll probably lose one of those games just to due to fatigue, just a normal like rule or grind of the season. So, but I think they'll play well for the majority of that time because they like. Both you guys, all you guys, have been saying they're just a solid ball club. Well, and also the ACC is in a top-notch softball. Yeah, it's conference. not the SEC. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's it's wait. It's, it's not like it's not the SEC. It's not the. Yeah, I thought you said not, it's like the SEC. No, it's not. Like, oh like, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> no, and and so they'll they uh, on this eight-game homestand, they're playing two ACC teams six different times. I I can definitely see a streak developing there. Um, FAMU's a great, you know, because obviously two, you got two Tallahassee schools coming in. Um, always a fun game to be at. And then UNF, well, Florida State Baseball actually played UNF this past week. I'm not sure how their softball team is, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it, and I, I say this every week, but it's like, well, Florida State and softball, literally, they've just been so dominant. You know, we could, I mean, sit here and repeat the same things about how good they are every single week. But um uh, I wish that I could spend more time on them, but uh, I think the, I mean, obviously the biggest story coming out of this weekend was uh, Mike Martin's uh, 2000th win as a uh, skipper for the Florida State Seminoles, making him the winningest coach in any collegiate sport in history. Chris, just when you hear that stat, what's the first thing that comes to mind Legendary. to you? Absolutely. Legendary. And, and well, I, I, so I, I wrote an Instagram post to kind of commemorate my time, the, the, the that moment this past Saturday, and 
I, I like this this little li- the way that I kind of summed it up was, in essence, it, it was is that Mike Martin's legacy is bigger than his his huge heart will let you believe is because you you look at a guy like Mike Martin you have a conversation with him, and you would have no idea that this guy is a complete and total I can't say that word sorry, uh, <laughs> he's just such he he's legendary, the in 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 essence and and just all the things that he that he's been able to accomplish and still maintain such a level ego I think is is. It's fantastic. I'm super happy for him. And really, just like the first thing that you noticed when you know the 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 post game press conference was really he literally one of the first things he said was he just went and he thanked the media and the fans. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it. I think there was a difference when he was talking about it because there's a difference between knowing what you have to say and then saying it from the heart. And yeah. I think that's really the difference with Mike Barton and the type of legacy that he's left on Florida State mm-hmm. is that everything has been heartfelt. Nothing has been. Um, uh, taken at taken at you know face value everything literally has just come from the heart so we are actually about halfway through the show that's actually a pretty good uh, stopping point right there of course we're going to talk more about the weekend series uh against virginia tech florida state's been playing a lot of virginia tech recently a lot of virginia tech and potentially more virginia tech in the future so we are going to take a quick 90 second break when we get back uh, Emma Clausen will give us the time honored tradition the seminal segment so make sure that you Come back in 90 seconds with us. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Number four, number four, Florida State Beach Volleyball beat, uh, attends UCLA's East Meets West competition this weekend. I'm Emma Claus in the segment segment. Florida State beat number three, Pepperdine, 4-1, to one, and number five, Hawaii, in a close 3-2 to two match that came down to a tiebreaker set. The two wins this weekend bring FSU to seven top ten wins so far this season. FSU win... 
FSU's win over Pepperdine is only the second in program history. Both teams have been coached under Coach Brooke Nile. Along with this, being the second win against Pepperdine, it's also the highest scoring win. The win over Hawaii was the third consecutive win of that day and the eighth win against Hawaii in program history. The last time the Knolls beat Hawaii was in the NCAA semifinals. The three teams competing in the East meets West Invitational were the teams the Knoll had defeated previously on their way to the team's third national runner-up title in 2018. FSU took down USC in the first round, UCLA in the second, and Hawaii in the semifinals to meet the Bruins again in the finals. FSU led the series against Hawaii and UCLA. LSU, FIU, and TCU joined the Seminoles to represent the East in the CCSA in Manhattan Beach this weekend. The Knolls will be home this, this in this upcoming weekend. The Knolls will be home March 16th for Alumni Weekend and for the Garnet and Gold scrimmage. In track news, in Birmingham, in Birmingham, Alabama this weekend, the 10th-ranked Seminoles men rose up to grab and, and share 6th place Saturday at the Crossplex. The Knolls scored 24 points on the way to their best finishing place since 2014 when they placed fourth. By sharing sixth place with the top-ranked Texas Tech, Texas Tech, FSU authored the seventh best finish in program history with their eighth highest points total at the meet. James grabbed silver for the men's in the 200-meter dash, and Trey Cunningham was the 60-meter hurdle bronze medalist. James seated third entering the final, was slow out of the blocks, and he never recovered, and he finished eighth. <clears throat> Cunningham was the first to receive his award out quick from the blocks in the middle of the track. Cunningham was unable to remain clean after the barriers. He finished third with a 7.64 in the hurdles. Along with Cunningham and James, accomplishment freshman Brian Richard made his NCAA debut. Brian duped NCAA me and was really impressive, Coach Branham said. He went toe-to-toe with some of the Nationalist best sprinters and ran right to his lifetime best on both days. Richard and the first Richard, Richard is the first freshman to make the finalist since Walter Dixon 2005. He finished one place higher. Richard, running indoor for the first time this season, had trouble grasping the significance of his performance on a larger scale. I'm Emma Klossman's segment segment. Now back to Tomahawk Talk. Thank you, Emma, for the time-honored tradition here at uh, WBFS Tallahassee, the seminal segment. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk, everybody. The second half of the show uh, is underway. On the other side of the break, we gave you a little taste of our thoughts about the legendary, uh, as Chris put it, the legendary Mark Martin and his legacy here at Florida State. But now, on to the actual series. And what a series it was. It was really... Mm-hmm. A really good test for Florida State, whether, I mean, you thought Virginia Tech was anything special or not. Virginia Tech played their absolute hearts out, and really, uh, I mean, obviously, they they almost had a no-hitter against Florida State on the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, but they really brought it to this baseball team and gave them a nice test when really they haven't had that many tests uh, thus far this season. But just taking a look at the Friday matchup, you know, the Friday matchup and the Saturday matchup were both extremely similar in how they formulated Florida State found themselves down by a couple of runs. Gary, what, what what did Florida State show you with these two games and how they were able to claw back, at least in the first game? They showed that they can stick to, they can just come together later in those innings when they need it and they don't get down. Like, you see it a lot with some other teams that whenever they get down, they get in those slumps, whether it be for a game or multiple games. 
they just can't get out of it going into the later halves of games when they need it. But they'd struggled a couple times. I believe in that game where they walked it off on Friday night, they had two times where they left bases loaded. Mm-hmm. And most times I've seen teams just give up at that point. And then, but they stuck to it, and they actually ended up winning the ball game. Gabe, J.C. Flowers in his first two seasons at Florida State had a little bit of an inconsistent time at the plate. And, uh, of course, he started off the season, uh, both those seasons, excuse me, uh, very hot at the plate, and then he cooled off drastically. And, you know, talk about the weekend that he had. He had the walk-off uh, on Friday night, and then in the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday, he uh, scored, I believe, one run prior to his eighth inning at bat where he launched a home run over the right field wall. What What's so impressive about J.C. Flowers and what he's been able to do this time around? Just see him as such a calm guy in the, in the clutch moments of games. Uh, you see it whether he's at the plate or even on the mound, he's been really good. Um, a guy that can really settle his teammates down, uh, get the big hits when they need them, at least put the ball in play when he needs to do that. You know, it's just the way that he comes up in the biggest moments is what seemed to impress me the most. I think, I think that's so funny that you mentioned he's calm because I think that's that's a great way to, to describe him. I think because, well, I, as a media member, obviously you want to get as many, as, as many quotes as you possibly can. J.C. Flowers will... Not give you those. Well, quotes. not give you Impossible. those quotes because he'll sum it up in one sentence. <laughs> um, but it, uh, but I, I was there for the game on Friday and at the press conference. Obviously, J.C. Flowers has this huge, huge hit. The the, the walk off hit on Friday uh, goes into the press conference. sits there with his arms crossed as if nothing had just happened. Gives the most nonchalant responses calm cool and collected is the best way to describe jc flowers and, and of course you know he had a fantastic uh outing on the mound uh and i don't know if he pitched on friday but i know he pitched he pitched that. on wednesday he pitched on wednesday and you know he he's been able to get a couple of very very solid outings gary what does his ability to close do for uh this baseball team it proves the people uh it proves the per- people at perfect game right because this is the high school prospect like prospect system that a lot of baseball players go through and I'm, I got his perfect game profile up right now in 2016 when he graduated he finished as the number one right-handed pitcher in Florida in the state rankings and number 13 in the nation so he had potential going out of high school to be a solid pitcher he could have just gone and straight up been a pitcher right out of high school and he would have been fine but he decided to challenge himself and play outfield that's probably what he loved to do more but He's proven a lot of people right with what he's doing on the mound right now. Gabe, uh, you know, everybody knew that Martin was going to reach this mile, the milestone at some point this season. And if he didn't reach that milestone, something in, in, in his own words, he said, would be very, very wrong. Uh, <laughs> what Now that this milestone has been reached, uh, do you think that it's going to lift some pressure off of these players if there was really any pressure at all um saying well now you know the 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 milestone is hit now we can focus on getting to omaha which is what drew mendoza said is the ultimate goal i think you can definitely tell that um when you think about looking ahead to this season it had to be in every guy's head you know how many wins do we need at this point Uh, after every one i'm sure some of them were crossing it off getting closer and closer now that that's passed you know there's no like big number milestone to look ahead to this season so it's back to just playing baseball and trying to win games and, you know, go and win a championship. And speaking of winning games, there is a big game uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Florida State heading down to Gainesville to Hogtown to uh, face the Florida Gators in a one-off, one-off game. Chris, uh, Florida State has not had the best luck down in Gainesville by any means. They were swept last year. I believe they were swept in, in season. Uh, had a season sweep. Uh, 
obviously every single team is different. And how do you think that this year's team is going to handle going down to Gainesville? Well, uh, you know, the, there's something that I've seen out of this team, and it's it's drive. And especially this past weekend series, as we mentioned, they've they're playing. They're not playing against Youngstown State. They're not playing against Maine anymore. These are these are some decent teams, and I think looking at they now have three walk-off wins uh, over the season. I think seeing that level of competitiveness, that ability to, you know, stay in the game, because it, 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 baseball is really a game that's played above the shoulders. It's 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 about staying in the game mentally, and seeing that mental drive that these players have. That's gonna that mental longevity. I keep saying mental, but it's true. There's a lot of brain power that comes into it, and that ability to stay in it against a top ten team like Florida. It's going to go a long way. Will they will they get a series sweep, a season sweep of Florida? Probably not. But I think they have a better chance than they did last year. So Shane, so Gary Shane Dronehan got the uh, I guess it formally known as the Sunday start, but the second start of the uh, the doubleheader on Saturday. He had six strikeouts if I remember correctly, but he threw a lot of pitches. Does does that performance swing you either way into whether that Sunday starter role is? still going to be his come this next weekend series against NC State I think it's I think it's still up for grabs honestly knowing Mike Martin he's willing to make a change whether it's for the good of the team or not so I think if Drohan doesn't keep performing if he doesn't get those strikeouts up if he's still giving up runs he's going to get the boot and it's probably going to be Pollock coming in but Pollock isn't doing as much to make his claim either for the Sunday role so it's kind of just sitting in neutral right now. And, of course, C.J. Van Eyck had a, a shaky start on mm-hmm. the first game of Saturday as well. So, uh, clearly, I mean, as good as we've praised this Florida State baseball team for being there, still quite a lot to do when it comes to starting pitching. The uh, The bullpen has been more or less fantastic. Uh, not, not necessarily as concerned about that. But, uh, Gabe, if you had to just take a guess, how do you see tomorrow night going for Florida State? I mean, I think the main thing is how do they start. Um, you look at a lot of – like, you look at the Virginia Tech series – in all three games, they had some issues with control early on with their starting pitchers, mm-hmm. but then they settled in with some of their relievers. I saw uh, Jonas Scalaro in win 2000 was fantastic in the bullpen. So I think, you know, getting those come from behind wins against a team like Florida is obviously very difficult. So I think if they can get off to a better start on the mound than they've been having, I think there's a very good chance for them to get a win. For me, the key is really strikeouts for this baseball team at this point. Uh, I remember sitting next to Gary in the doubleheader series, and we literally were just counting up the strikeouts that uh, Florida State uh, was having. And uh, it's really going to be, you know, how do the Florida State, how do the young Florida State batter, uh, batters handle a pitching uh, staff with the quality of University of Florida? And I think that's going to be the key. That is going to be what is going to be most interesting to talk about when uh, we do get around uh, to talking about it. But over the weekend series, what what was the the total strikeout count? I don't know the we I don't know the total weekend series, but the whole week, including the game against UNF, it was fifty six. Fifty six. And you know what they had coming into that week? What's that? Sixty six. Yikes! Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a that's a big it, yikes. Almost doubled it. <laughs> almost doubled it. In in a hundred and eight innings. That's that's how many, that's how many innings are in four games. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, so a hundred and eight outs. Subtract two. hundred eight outs. Two hundred and eight oh. outs. They made they struck out fifty six times. You yes. Said? So more than half of their outs came from strikeouts. Yeah, it was that was it's not pretty. No, put it that way. Definitely something to look but, uh, look forward and see how uh, they tackle that. But moving on. Uh, to basketball, uh, they kind of get the short end of the stick this week. Uh, first uh, with women's, you know, they they beat Duke, I believe, over the. It wasn't. I it think was. It was the, I think it was on Saturday. 
If no, I, I believe it was Friday. Was it Friday? It was Friday, yeah, Friday the win against Duke. Either way, uh, every everybody on the panel last week saw them probably making it to the quarterfinals and facing off against an NC State, and then, then it got a little bit divided as to uh, where this team would end up against NC State, and they did lose to NC State 62-69. Of course, you do remember Florida State did beat NC State earlier in the season, and I think that was that was one of their come-from-behind victories right. that was really, really impressive, and uh you know, you know what the saying is about revenge games. You know, you cannot take the team, or you cannot not take the team uh, coming in. You know, with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and unf- unless it's Florida State, unless it's Florida State, uh, <laughs> and of course, you know, the Wolfpack did come in and they were able to nab this one um, from Florida State. Obviously, the season isn't over at this point, Chris. Of course, there is still the big dance for women's basketball. But um, is this this is about what you expected in? terms of the ACC championships for Florida State? Oh, definitely. No, I, I think, well, actually, I had Florida State beating NC State. Um, but, I mean, it's it's expected. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm looking at the stat sheet from uh, against NC State. They actually didn't have any points on, on second chance. They didn't have any second chance points. Uh, we're, once again, we're once again beaten out in the paint. Uh, Valencia Myers actually had, had a bit of an off game, so that was a little unusual to see. But this is... This is this te- a young team's first chance in a in a big postseason tournament. Um, I don't think we really could have expected all that much more, e- even had they beaten NC State. And of course, you know, Gabe, with this team, we've we've said it over and over again. Uh, what do you think this? Or I'm not going to call it an early exit. I'm going to probably say that it's an exit at about the right time. What do you think that this this team can learn from this exit against NC State when it comes to uh, the the NCAA tournament? I think any kind of experience at this point is huge because, I mean, we're talking about a team that from last season replaced all five of its starters, our only team in the top 25 to do that. So uh, to get a loss in the ACC tournament, it's not as big a deal, obviously. NCAA tournament, that's the end of the line. Um, So to get some experience was good, Um, you know, to just learn from it and continue to grow. Gary? Yeah, I think this was – like you guys saying the right this was the right exit for them they are still a young team they still got a lot of injuries with them so i think you could really expect the same going into the ncaa like if they win one game that's great and anything after that's just playing with house money play with house <laughs> play with house money uh Switching off uh, to the men, they don't know who they play yet, but looking at how the uh, the, the bracket is currently uh, fixated, uh, number 12 Miami faces Wake Forest in game one on noon, and that's, uh, to, that is tomorrow uh, at noon. Uh, and then the winner of that game will face off against Virginia Tech, and then the winner of that game will face Florida State. Of course, Florida State has the double bye, uh, and that game, uh, whoever Florida State will be facing, is at 2.30 p.m. on March 14th. That is the Thursday. So, Chris, it looks like, at least by you know how the seating is right now, that Florida State is going to be facing Virginia Tech in another sport again. <laughs> uh, just enough of Virginia Tech already. Uh, just, of course, kidding. How do you see this this rematch i mean th- that um bringing tech game is very is still uh very close to the mind sure no oh, uh, and and it's funny because we're talking about revenge games here uh big revenge game for virginia tech and and i consider i, I gotta say that it was a sad fact but the virginia tech game was my first and last uh fsc men's basketball game what, what? yeah what yeah 
I know. You're a baseball guy. Yeah. Uh, well, no, no, no. Still, okay. Wait, wait, wait. No. Still it was, four years. It, it, oh, wait, wait. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I should say for this season. Oh. For this season. Oh, okay. Oh my okay, God. Geez, okay. No. 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 I was about to say. First and last basketball like, game. That's impossible. For of 2018-19. No. 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 Absolutely not. But regardless, it was still a great first and last game for the 2018-19 season. Yeah. Um. To for Florida State to only score 19 points in the first half and then to come back and win it in the fashion that they did. That you talk about a chip on your on um, a chip on your shoulders. Virginia Tech does that's a, that's almost an embarrassing loss. So I think to see the way that, that the game was played out on the court, there was a lot of push, a lot of back and forth. Um, Trent Forrest mentioned in uh, earlier that uh, there was a lot of chirping, a lot of chirping on that court. Grayson um, Allen 3.0. <laughs> um, so it, it'll just be interesting. I'm really excited to see how the bad blood will play out. Uh, in the ACC tournament. And, of course, the winner of that game will more than likely go on to uh, face Virginia in the semifinal game. Um, and speaking of semifinal games, it's really a shame that North Carolina and Duke only get to meet in the semifinals because mm-hmm. um, I feel like, especially with how North Carolina has beaten Duke twice now, that's definitely a game uh, I would be wanting to watch. But, uh, Gabe, how do you see I'm – gonna, I'm just going to say that they're going to face Virginia Tech, but, you know – I don't think there's any real doubt here that Wake Forest or Miami are going to beat Virginia Tech, but Wake's you know, playing good basketball. Wake's Wake, right Wake, Wake is playing good basketball. good basketball. That I, I mean, I do pick Wake to beat Miami uh, in the in that uh, first round game. But uh, how do you see Florida State performing in a potential rematch with uh, Virginia Tech? I think if they bring their heads with them early on, they'll be fine. Um, you know. Like you talked about, how heated that game was. It was mm-hmm. There's a lot of energy in that. There's definitely going to be Virginia Tech coming in with a chip on their shoulder. And I think if Florida State allows them to get out to a lead like that again, Virginia Tech's not going to give it back to them. No. So if they can come out early, find their rhythm, and just play their solid brand of basketball, they'll be fine. But uh, if they play the first half the way they did at home, it's not going to be the same result. Gary? I think it's going to be a lot more like the second half of that game against Virginia Tech and Tallahassee because in the first half, at Florida State just could not find a way to get inside the paint. For the whole time, they were just dribbling around the three-point line mm-hmm. and chucking up a shot with three seconds left. It felt rushed when it got to that point, and I think they figured it out in the second half, obviously. They were able to get more buckets down low. They were able to get, uh, what was his name, um, What's his name got fouled out for Virginia Tech? Blackshear. 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 Yeah, Blackshear got fouled out, so that helped a lot with getting Kevin Gelly some points down low. So I think it's all about points in the paint this week. Hill Hill ended up fouling out too, uh, oh, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I can't believe that this has slipped the mind until now. Uh, Fiano Kevin Gelly has been named the the ACC Sixth Man of the Year. Mm-hmm. So uh, congratulations are in order uh, to Fee. Well deserved. Uh, well deserved, absolutely. Um, and you know that leads to my next question, uh, Chris. I mean, how how big is he going to have to show up, or how big is he going to have to play? It's a, it's a big man that's going to have to play a big role on this team. That that is for sure. You know, of course, you don't want to lean on one guy. And it's funny that he was named Sixth Man of the Year because really he felt like a, like he, a member look, of that. He's, look, five. he's a sixth starter. Let's yeah. let's be honest. I mean, no, maybe 100%. that is what the Sixth Man of the Year is technically <laughs> supposed to be, but I definitely was a starter. I mean, right, right. And so I, I think. You know, coming into this, uh, finding a way to get those points in the paint. And, and you know, Kevin Gelly's a fantastic uh, free-throw shooter, too. So I think being able to utilize him strategically, especially against, you know, if if, if Florida State's able to play a Virginia, you know, I, I think the, get, making sure to get those points and utilizing him 
to the best in the best interest of Florida State, I think that'll go a long way. Do you, do you guys find it ironic? I believe I I looked at the first, second, and third teams for all ACC teams. Did I miss Kevin Kelly in there, or was he for the all ACC team? Because I'm pretty sure I didn't see him on first, second, or third team. And how do you get na- my? That's a good my question. My problem is how do you get named sixth man of the year and not make it on? I'm one Gary. Of those? I'm pretty sure you're tripping. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're tripping. Uh, Are you on Bing? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, I'll or maybe it. we're we're starting to get into the the twilight zone. Uh, <laughs> seven minutes left uh, in the show. Um, it's okay, we have fun. We do. Well, we have so much fun. Um, <laughs> when it, I mean, the big the big thing for Florida State is really just not getting off to a bad start. I mean, 19 points in the first half against Virginia Tech is pitiful. Uh, I believe. But I, think, but I believe. Hold on, let me see here against Wake Forest. I think they had 21. Um, so not much better. He was not on first, second, oh, or third team. Really? Not on first, second, or third. Wow. Yep. That's that's extremely that's, surprising. That's and why not, I was confused. And not only Sixth man. Uh, you know. We are, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not biased, you know, on the show, but I mean, even as a Florida State person, that's kind of just a head scratcher, just knowing what he has done for this basketball team, um, and how really people have come around to uh, admire uh, Fiondu and what he's been able to do for the basketball team. That's extremely surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really just honest, a head scratcher. Right I there. honestly don't know what to say to that. Um, I, I did want to comment on your. Uh, so yes, I agree. Florida State can't get off to a bad start, but I think. There's something that all Florida State sports teams have in common. It's at least that's a bad start. <laughs> it's getting off to a bad start, especially if you're looking at, you know, 2013 through uh, 2015, 16 Florida State football. Those second half comebacks were, were, I mean, those are ones for the for like the record books. It's it's Florida State tends to have, well, I'm sorry, Florida State has a tendency to get off to a slow start, but then pick it up in the second half. Um, obviously, it's preferable that they don't start off on the wrong foot but i'm not entirely worried uh if they do depending on how bad the start we're talking of course so uh, just before we get into the five minute twilight zone mark uh, just quickly how question for everybody how far is florida state going in the acc championships uh they'll win they'll beat virginia tech if they play virginia tech or regardless who they play and then they lose to uva chris yeah yeah, I'm going to say against a Virginia team whose defense has just been stout all year long. Uh, I, th- I think that's that's going to be a tough, ta- uh, tough team uh, to get some points against. Gabe? I feel the same, but I do want to see them at least put up a better fight against Virginia than the first game. That was quite ugly. <laughs> I think, uh, actually, Florida State is going to lose that game against Virginia Tech. I think that that loss for Virginia Tech was just so monumental and so – Really, I, I think it probably shouldn't have happened. I think Virginia Tech is going to come out with a, uh, a, a vengeance, and I think that Florida State is going to lose that game. Uh, but that's going to set themselves up for some more practice to get into the actual NCAA tournament, and uh, I think that's going to be beneficial for them. Gary, uh, I think this is the shortest tenure for a host on Tomahawk Talk. Thanks for joining us. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no I, think, I think that's a valid point. It's <laughs> it's a bold take. It it's is a bold, bold take. take. Thank you for, for that. <laughs> so, uh, as, as promised at the beginning of the show, we have about four minutes left. It's been a wild, wild weekend in the NFL. Um, the Antonio Brown saga, finally over. Uh, Antonio Brown becoming a member of the Oakland Raiders, being traded by the Steelers to Oakland for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. And uh, Brown has a new contract, I think, of thirty million dollars, uh, thirty, thirty-three. I think, I think 30. it's thirty. Wait, I think it's thirty. Are you, for for Antonio Brown? Oh, Antonio Brown. I thought I saw fifty-four. 
Well, it's thirty guaranteed. Oh, 30 guaranteed. Thirty guaranteed. Yes. Um, Chris, what are your what are your thoughts on the end to the saga? Did the Steelers win? Did Brown win? And did the Steelers get back enough for a player like Antonio Brown? You're talking to the MLB guy. This is what yeah. I trust you. you trust Steelers me? lose, yeah. Chris. Oh that's God. the answer. Absolutely. Steelers lose. Brown wins. Steelers yeah. win. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think we're entering an age in sports now where you're seeing that free agents are are starting to come out on top. The longer they stay out of it, the long I think the truer they stick to their guns, the bigger payout they get, the more that they win. So I would agree. Antonio Brown wins this, uh, and the Steelers ultimately get the short end of the section. I'm a little worried for the payroll for <laughs> for Oakland or Las Vegas, whatever they're going to be next year. But, you know. Just remember Antonio Brown wasn't a free agent. Yeah. Oh, He was not a free agent. A lot of people forgot that. <laughs> We'll see. That's uh, he did a good job acting like one. Yes, ex- exactly. He made everyone think he was an agent. By the way, he acted. He tricked all of you guys. Uh, Gabe, how do you feel, how do you feel about the saga? I definitely feel like Oakland won this trade. Uh, you know, to get a third and a fifth for the best receiver in football is just I don't know. Didn't seem like a great deal for Pittsburgh, but I guess at the same time they had to get something because I don't think he was planning on playing a down for them this upcoming season. So. At least they got something for him. Gary? I agree. The Steelers kind of got the short end of the stick, but also the Steelers do pretty well when it comes to mid-round picks. So I think they know what they're doing in that regard, but the Raiders are stacking up for when they get to Vegas. They got, was it, three first-round picks coming up, a second round or a third, and they got Antonio Brown. So they got the big-name guy, and they got some young guys coming up for a small payroll. I cannot believe that the Steelers traded Antonio Brown and did not get at least a first-round pick in next year's draft or a draft in the future, just a first-round pick in general. I mean, Oakland has two first-round picks in this year's draft, and you cannot even get maybe the 24 spot. You can't. You cannot get that draft pick for a player like Antonio Brown. Uh, Steelers definitely lost this, this uh, I guess, this war. Uh, between uh, themselves and Antonio Brown. It, it was a very interesting situation. It's been a very interesting year for the Steelers organization in general. Um, and just quickly uh, before the show, we got a minute left. I mean, there's been a ton of uh, free agent signings. And, of course, these aren't official. These are, uh, Gary, I don't know how you worded it to me earlier. The new but year begins Thursday. The new year begins Thursday. So there is still some time to uh, go back on some signings of if certain players are getting uh second second uh, opinions and feelings about the teams that they've signed with but just around the table just really quick what's what's your what's your best signing what's what's your best and most surprising signing landing Collins to the Redskins landing Collins to the Redskins that was big for them why do you think that they need they need well, they need help they, need <laughs> they just help. need help put it that way he's a good guy he's a good player and they need help Gabe how about you I actually like Deshaun Jackson going back to Philadelphia I mean I know he's a little bit old I know he's a little old but I mean he still gets his job done which is two catches for 90 yards a game that's really what you're getting out of him and uh in an offense that needs a deep threat maybe that'll solve a problem for him chris gabe stole mine he stole my generic <laughs> one that i could have used and passed off as my own well but... okay well here let me see if you uh tyron matthew uh houston texans uh he just signed i believe a brand new deal and this ha- this happened like 30 minutes ago he signed a new deal with the uh the Kansas City Chiefs so imagine a, a secondary with uh matthew and uh eric berry there you go 
Does that work for you? That works for me. Okay. I'm glad I gave you that note there, Nick. Yeah, well, thank you, ESPN, (laughs) uh, for bailing Chris out once again. Uh, For me, uh, I think Eric Weddle to the Rams is a fantastic move. The Rams have done a fantastic job this offseason of managing their money and being able to keep the players that they need to. Not quite sure about the Dante Fowler Jr. signing. I didn't think he did that much for the linebacker core for the L.A. Rams, but um, Eric Weddle is definitely uh, a nice asset to – uh, go in and uh, help a Rams defense that started off the year really hot but just ended up being average. So that is about all the time we have left in the show. Just want to say quickly, happy birthday to my grandmother. I've been withholding calling all day just so I could shout you on the show. Love you, Grandma. Love you very, very much. Uh, and also, just very, very quickly, uh, we are going to have a two-hour show. Uh, and we'll let you know more about it on the social media, so definitely make sure you're, you're following those. Again, on Twitter, it's talk underscore Tomahawk. We are having a two-hour show on the 25th. It's going to be a match, uh, March Madness special and a whole bunch of other things, so make sure that you tune into that. New release is up next. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, for Chris, for Nick, for Gabe, for Gary, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. <laughs>